Welcome to the Two Degrees C Climate Chat Podcast, your weekly guide to what's happening within the climate around the world. My name is Neil Vinniekirk, the Executive Director and a founding member of Two Degrees C. Along with co-founders Dr. Carson Shine and Jenny Disson, we cover issues relating to the climate crisis. So join us as we explore in the Two Degrees C Climate Chat. Joining us today in the Two Degree C Climate Chat is Jim Helm, who pioneered new techniques in underwater photography and has captured stunning views of coral reefs and marine environments that reveal the incredible colors and animals in the world's hotspots of marine biodiversity. Jim's work has been represented in National Geographic as well as the American Museum of Natural History in an exhibit titled Creatures of Light, one of the museum's most successful exhibits. Joining us today is our guest, Jim Helm from Blue Ocean Art. Welcome, Jim. Thank you, Neil. Very great to have you here today, and thanks for giving up your time on a Sunday to talk to us. Maybe we could start by you introducing yourself uh, to the audience um, and sharing your background. What is Blue Ocean Art? Uh, Blue Ocean Art is a company I started about 20 years ago just as a showcase for underwater photography and some of the pioneers of that um, whole world. Um, at the time, you know, there, there are a handful of people out there really making an impact. And it was a really super difficult thing to get out there into an environment where you could see these amazing things happen in the water and capture behavior. Um, and now we've opened up the whole world to us. So um, part of that whole desire to put Blue Ocean Art together is just to have one place to showcase some of the best in underwater photography, you know, without seeing Uncle Ralph's pictures, uh, you know, doing funny things underwater. You know, the other thing important about Blue Ocean Art is showcasing the work of these extremely dedicated people, you know, most of whom don't make a really serious living uh, from doing the incredible work they do, because it takes an incredible amount of money just to travel and get into these areas and you can't have a job <laughs> because uh, the amount of time you spend out in the wilderness exceeds the time you're spending at home usually so um, it's people that are really dedicated uh, to capturing this world and also experiencing it themselves um, those are the kind of people who can share the vastness of the ocean that most people don't get to appreciate. So Jim, you've been diving a really long time. And what do you think our responsibility is as, as people visiting those underwater environments is? And what value can we add? Well, <laughs> my own responsibility is to not harm the environment I'm trying to uh, capture. And there is a whole set of ethics that go along with uh, observing nature, but not being an influence on what you're trying to capture and being honest and true about all of that. Um, myself, I do something pretty different because I have a different kind of integrity to preserve the view I'm trying to capture. 
and what that is is I am all about trying to capture in one image an environment that somebody can see and understand uh, what the, there is to be appreciated, what there is to be protected about the ocean. And you just can't visualize that. When you think, what is the ocean? You think about the surface of the water and you see the beer cans disappear as you throw them in and they're gone. You think about what's up on top. We don't get to see what's in the bottom. Even if you're a diver, you get to see that much. And that was my whole, uh, my whole motive was to try to capture in one scene enough of you enough of an environment to get a sense of it and as you speak of the kelp forest image uh, that was designed not by me but by the aquarium to produce exactly that effect they wanted to put the viewer into that environment and now we we've done that we have this glass image that wraps around and not only puts you in the middle of that environment but it changes as light from the day uh, illuminates it from the outside and you actually can experience the day happening. Um, but more importantly, you know, you talk about kelp and people think about the kelp that's washed up on the beach that their son picks up and walks down the beach with. And, you know, what it is is a vast forest. It's really like the redwoods and there might be a lot more of it than the redwoods and it's all over the world um, until you get to see that. Most people will never get the opportunity to fly through a forest on scuba. Um, but when you see that environment around you, especially when it's nearly life size, now you can appreciate what's there. And it's not just the kelp, it's an entire ecosystem and a whole group of indigenous species all relying on each other. Now to see that and document it and be able to present it and have people appreciate it is one thing. Uh, a heartbreaking thing is going back to the same place just a few years later and find it all gone. Okay. Now that's not speaking of cause and effect and making any statements because maybe we go back there in a few more years and it's all back. The ocean is resilient and we see that all the time too. But there, especially when you're talking about the kelp forest and watching that turn into a field of sargassum instead, that was all happening because of things that have been attributed to climate change. You're listening to a conversation about climate innovation. Coming up, Well, Florida has had a number of challenges over recent years and um, just environmental impacts of the tourism that it's famous for. And uh, without finding a lot of specific causes, they've had trouble with coral diseases that have wiped out a very large percentage of the hard corals in the Florida reef trap. That's up next when 2 Degree C Climate Chat continues. Described barefoot luxury, the casually sophisticated Southern Cross Club is Little Cayman's original resort. This hidden gem is as unique and vibrant as the island it inhabits. A true island treasure, it is the perfect place to dive, fish and relax. 
Its 14 beachfront bungalows are situated on 900 feet of white sand, only minutes from the world-class diving found only in Little Cayman. Visit www.southerncrossclub.com to book your escape to tranquility. Hi, I'm Adrian with Quest Dive Adventures, and you're listening to the Two Degrees C Climate Chat Podcast. And Carson, maybe that's a good question for you. Um, you know, why are things like kelp forests important? Well, I mean, from a from a habitat standpoint, they not only provide uh, shelter uh, to a number of species, uh, protection uh, from predators. Uh, smaller uh, creatures can hide in the in the kelp and in among the kelp, but uh, they provide a food source for a number of them. Um, and so, as those uh, as those ranges of where these kelp forests occur shift, uh, the species are forced to shift with them. Um, when a when a forest depletes, it goes away. Then that habitat is lost, and either those species that depended on it die out, um, or they have to find a new habitat, which can be very stressful on them. And are they very tolerant of temperature changes and things like that? To an extent, they are, but. Uh, in many cases, the temperatures are changing more rapidly than they can adapt to it, and that's that's the root, you know, the root of the problem. Gotcha. Now, Jim, you you have been busy with a project in Florida, so far as I understand. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, Florida has had a number of challenges over recent years in um, just environmental impacts of the tourism that it's famous for, and. Uh, without finding a lot of specific causes, they've had trouble with coral diseases that have wiped out a very large percentage of the hard corals in the Florida reef tribe. Um, it's also an encouraging sign because right now there's a lot of attention being put toward that. A lot of different entities are developing new technologies that may help us establish new reefs and the government has put together a program that is designed specifically to restore some iconic reefs in Florida over the next decade. Um, so it's a tragedy in a sense, because you can see the dying corals, but it's really hopeful in another sense because of the awareness that people have, because of the importance that's been placed on it and the fact that there's still healthy, healthy corals there. And there is uh, reason to believe this, this, this could be turned around with some effort. And it's gotten the attention of a lot of people who are willing to make that effort. So I have been working with different groups there that have been doing all parts of that, that have been propagating corals and growing corals transplanting corals and then also treating this coral disease. So in the process of documenting, that has led to uh, just a never ending sequence of taking photographs of damaged corals. Um, and, you know, it's something that is new for me because it's the complete opposite of what we normally try to do. You want to capture the most beautiful pristine corals and lots of times we're in areas that are so robust and healthy that you have a really hard time finding a damaged or unhealthy coral. 
Um, so to be in that environment and to be operating in a completely different phase, it started out with just documenting individual corals because you can tell the disease or the propagation of the disease on these coral heads. And um, documentation was part of the scientists program in trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, tourists were encouraged to take photographs of corals that had been tagged and, uh, and then send their images back to them so that they could keep tabs on those individual corals. And they've, they've got an incredible database of that kind of information. Um, but for me, that led to, okay, now I've seen all this devastation, how you document it. It's the same kind of problem that I faced 20 years ago when I wanted to create an image larger than my camera could see. So one of my new uh, projects is not to create a multi-image example of a coral reef and showing its colorfulness and healthiness, but documenting a dead reef and showing the devastation. Um, that brings a lot of emotions into play doing that kind of work. Yeah, I'm sure. And Carson, you know, what effect would that have on the biodiversity in, in that area? Well, again, the exact same, uh, same thing as with the kelp forests. Uh, these, uh, the corals are animals that build these, these massive reefscapes uh, with all sorts of nooks and crannies for, uh, for juvenile fish to hide in and develop and feed uh, from the water column. And when that is, uh, is destroyed um, and overtaken by, by algae, then it becomes an entirely different ecosystem that many of these species just can't tolerate. So Jenny, just coming back to what you said before, you know, um, what are the socioeconomic effect, effects or ramifications of that biodiversity loss on the reef that Carson was just mentioning? Yeah, um, there's the obvious and then there's the unintended consequences and then there's the ripple effect. Um, and we see this, you know, in all of our spheres, when we see the natural habitat change and decline at a pace that the species and even human systems can't absorb, you know, you either adapt, migrate, suffer, or unfortunately experience a loss. Um, and I think, you know, economically, we talk about the tourism, we talk about fisheries and the, and the sustainable seafood impact culturally is, um, you know, relating to the identity of the people that live in these areas. And, you know, we have a 10,000 year history of what happens to uh, the culture of a location or a region when what they're used to changes or is no longer there for them or when humans migrate. Um, and it's, it's very difficult to understand and absorb. And if you're particularly part of that change, the emotions are incredible. And I appreciated how Jim um, was talking about, you know, documenting the loss and providing evidence of that observation through the lens um, of his cameras and the visualization that he brings to the people on the ground. Um, and I, I just wondering, Jim, if we can circle back with you for a second um, you've experienced this 
uh, emotion, both from seeing the beautiful species and then watching its degradation over time. And, and I, having seen that on ground, uh, you know, it's, it's painful and it gets you right at my core, which is the whole reason why I do what I do. You're listening to a conversation about climate innovation. Coming up, I think visually showing one of the things I'm trying to do in Florida. I'm, I'm, I'm banking on restoring some of these areas. I'm looking yeah. forward to being able to create the after photograph of the restored coral reef. And to- so, how can how can people get involved in restoring the lost habitat? Uh, there's a number of things. Uh, one is just supporting some of the nonprofits that are doing this crucial work. And almost all of them are nonprofits. So there are some universities, there is NOAA and uh, a variety of organizations supporting uh, nonprofit organizations that are doing a lot of the real work. So. That's up next when Two Degree C Climate Chat continues. Blue Ocean Art is the premier collective of marine artists and a proud partner of Two Degree C. From some of the world's most renowned underwater photographers to painters, sculptors and multimedia artists from around the world, Blue Ocean Art's large collection features moving imagery showcasing the beauty of the world's oceans. Our artist's passion to capture the moments in special places in our oceans affords the rest of us a glimpse into that mystical realm that makes up so much of our planet and has a deep impact on all of us, yet we know so little about. Our shared interest in protecting the environment means we look forward to using the Leaf Climate Sensor on our projects and trips as soon as they're able to reach the critical next stage of product development. Visit www.blueoceanart.com to see their selection of fine art prints and decorative products to bring the beauty of the world's coral reefs and underwater environments into your space. Listeners of the 2 Degree C Climate Chat podcast can exclusively take 25% off with the code 2 C at checkout. So, Jim, what message would you like to send to those that are, you know, appreciators of nature, but perhaps unaware of the impact that they're leaving behind? And what can um, local and regional government organizations uh, and government bodies do to make uh, knowledge and awareness of this coral reef decline issue more in the forefront of those that are visiting these locations. And lastly, what should, you know, what are the solutions? What should solution providers do? What are they challenged with? What message do we need to have collectively out there so that we can accelerate the investment needed to address coral reef decline? Well, I think we all need to make the connection between our own daily actions and what happens in the ocean and what affects all of these far off places that we hear about. We don't, it's a lot simpler issue than trying to imagine the global impact. It's taking action on your own, whether it's a piece of trash in a Walmart parking lot or it's cleaning up at the beach when you walk by trash or just being careful not to add anything to that that comes from you. Um, and how about for education and awareness? Well, I think that, you know, we have to deliver that message. 
the yeah. message to deliver to people is that this is not somebody else's problem in a far off land or a problem at the beach when you may never get there. This is your own problem that we, it starts with each one of us. So having outreach that connects the dots, connects the ocean and pristine environments to the trash that we leave behind anywhere. That's Do you think something as, as simple as having kiosks with images of what was before and what is now would reach people? Do you think a sort of a digital image of, um, you know, information kind of like the infographics that are made available from National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and other organizations, do you think that would make a difference? I think anybody, I'm sorry. I think anything yeah. that lets people experience those issues visually makes a difference and allows people to care. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The idea, Agreed. I mean, I think visually showing one of the things I'm trying to do in Florida, I'm, I'm, I'm banking on restoring some of these areas. I'm looking yeah. forward to being able to create the after photograph of a restored coral reef. And to so how can, how can people get involved in restoring the lost habitat? Uh, there's a number of things. Uh, one is just supporting some of the nonprofits that are doing this crucial work, and almost all of them are nonprofits. So there are some universities. There is NOAA and uh, a variety of organizations supporting uh, nonprofit organizations that are doing a lot of the real work. So those people are like Coral Restoration Foundation, mm -hmm. Reef.org. Um, yeah. Yes, to your point, Jim, I think we all have a, a responsibility um, to understand the, 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 the negative effects of the trash that we create. And, you know, whether it be items that are, are recyclable or non-recyclable, and the understanding of what um, our ingestion of plastics are and how they, they relate back to the ocean. I think that is, a, that is one of the tremendous stresses that we see in the ocean. Uh, added to climate change and added um, in the example of Florida um, to a stressor like disease. I think um, our oceans face a tremendous stress. And I think that your art gives the person in the street um, an unbelievable window into an environment that they don't have an understanding of. And I think it's critically important that everyone, whether you live uh, you know, on the coastline or if you live a thousand miles in from a coastline, understand um, how our daily life affects the oceans. And I thank you for that. And for those that are, are, are visiting with Jim Helm for the first time, I would encourage you all to go to his website. It's blueoceanart.com. And Jim, as an adventurer and underwater photographer and documenter of all things that uh, we believe we want to hand to the next generation, we thank you and we wish you the best success. Thank you, Neil. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening to the Two Degrees C Climate Chat Podcast. Next week, we'll be interviewing world champion freediver, conservationist, and adventurer Megan Haney Greer. So be sure to come back in then or find out more about the stories you just heard by visiting our blog at twodegreesc.org and connect to others like you via our social media. We'd love to hear your stories and climate journeys. 
And if you like what you've heard today, please like, subscribe and comment wherever you hear your podcast.